you know, sometimes when God talks to us, it's easy to say, well, he just said that to Emma, but I, I really believe this is something that he's uh, really stirring in our church. You know, Pastor Kim has been writing the intentional Bible study, and and as good as it's been, man, it's challenging. And I, I think I tell her every week, well, my toes hurt. <laughs> yep, toes hurt that day too. And uh, I don't know about you, but was like the one on intentional feelings the worst? I'm just going to say that was that that was a, a toe stepper for me. And then, of course, Pastor Steve has been admonishing us about our calling. And when you put those two things together, it's pretty easy to see where God is trying to take this church. And he's, he's trying to get us so calling focused, and it's going to take some intentionality to do that. Um, and so what I feel like he gave me to share really kind of is still in that vein of preparation. And um, I want to talk about being clothed. So um, what you clothe yourself in can disqualify you long before you open your mouth. And I heard the Holy Spirit say this to me. I had somebody come in um, to our airport, and uh, when they were flying out the next day, they had this big, like, fruit basket with a big bow on top. And so I figured, well, they had to have gone somewhere for somebody to give them this big fruit basket. So I was talking to him, and and uh, he said, yeah, they, you know, they gave it to us because I was speaking at a conference. I was like, oh, that's great, you know, just kind of talking to him. And um, very nice, very nice couple. But this gentleman was wearing a shirt with profanity on it. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, what kind of conference, you know, just trying to be nice. And he was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm apostle so-and-so. And I was speaking at New Life Church. And I went, no, you're not. <laughs> And he's like, well, I can tell you're in church, so where do you go to church? I said, well, I actually also go to New Life Church, but in Liberty Hill, and it's not affiliated with the one you talked about. So, but I just thought, how you know, this gentleman, he had grace of words. He was well-spoken. He, You could tell he had had some education. And yet, before he even opened his mouth, he had this big sign on his chest of where his heart really was. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit say, what we're clothing ourselves in is a billboard long before we get to the, I'm this, I'm that, this is what I'm doing, this is what church I'm involved in. And I'm not saying that to bring judgment because we're not supposed to judge people, right? The Bible says we're supposed to judge ourselves, examine ourselves. Um, But we're an advertisement to, to Jesus, to the kingdom of God. And, you know, Melanie so eloquently was praying this morning in our Ephesians reading, we're in Ephesians 5, if you're not keeping up with us, and you should be because it's been really good. Um, but, you know, it's talking about us being the light of the world. Well, how are we the light of the world? Are we the light of the world only when we're up on stage and we know that we're going to be looked at that day? Or are we the light of the world when we're flying our personal plane home and we just decided to wear our slummy clothes? Like, we don't have an off day. You're a billboard. We're a billboard to the kingdom of God every day, regardless of what the situation is. And so I just feel like this is this is a call from the Spirit to say, okay, we can go deeper. We can go further. We've been doing it. We're preaching to the choir tonight. But none of us have arrived, right? And I have definitely not arrived. And even Paul in his writing says, I haven't obtained, but I press forward towards the mark. And I just feel like this is a mark that we can press forward in tonight. Um, so... Lamentations 340, this is the Amplified Classic, which David said we can't get on there, so it's a little different than what you guys are going to read. But it says, let us test and examine our ways and let us return to the Lord. So again, we're not, I'm not casting judgment on anything. It was just an observation that, you know, 
we're doing some advertising long before we, we say anything. And of course, 1 Corinthians 11.31, this is in the Amplified also. For if we searchingly examined ourselves, detecting our shortcomings and recognizing our own condition, we should not be judged and penalty decreed by the divine judgment. You know, Jesus didn't come to pass judgment. He came to save. He came to give life. He came to, you know, free the captives and, and do all those things. So that's what we're supposed to do too. But we also don't want to let things pass. And I feel like I was telling Daniel about it this morning and and he was like, I really don't like that verse that talks about don't judging people because then everybody just gets a free pass. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not really what I was trying to say. You know, we obviously, we're not going to conform to those things. I'm not going to go buy a shirt that has potty words on it, um, you know. But at the same point, the point is we have stuff we need to be working on on ourselves. We don't have stuff that we need to be going up and saying, hey, you know, you have a problem. We, we have stuff we need to be working on. I mean, of course, if God tells you to tell somebody something, then be obedient, but... So uh, Colossians 3, 12 through 17, and this is a long one, but we're going to read it. It says, clothe, your, clothe yourselves, therefore, as God's own chosen ones, his own picked representatives, who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God himself by putting on behavior marked by tenderhearted pity and mercy, kind feeling, a lowly opinion of self, gentle ways, and patience, Lord help me with that, which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with a good temper. That's why we're talking to myself too. Be gentle and forbearing with one another. And if one has a difference, a grievance or a complaint against one another, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive. And above all these, put on love and enfold yourselves with the bond of perfectness, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. This time around, because we read the New Testament last year too, and it's always good to keep reading because you always see new things. And so this year, one of the things I'm doing in my Bible is how many times Paul talks about doing stuff in love. So I have like hearts drawn all in my Bible every time I see in love. And it's amazing when you look at the page, you're like, oh my goodness, how many times what he's telling us is activated and worked through and enabled by love. And I hadn't really made a, um, a conscious realization of how many times he really said that until this year. And so if you do and you want to draw hearts in your Bible, it's a lot. And let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule, act as an umpire, continual in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in the peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body you are also called to live. Be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Let the word spoken by Christ the Messiah have its home in your hearts and minds and dwell in you all its richness as you teach and admonish and train one another in all insight and intelligence and wisdom in spiritual things and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody to God with his grace in your hearts. And whatever you do, this is the part I wanted to get to, and whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence upon his person, giving praise to God the Father through him. You know, if we, if we set out thinking that, 
if what I'm doing right now, if what I'm saying right now, if the attitude I'm having right now, if I billboarded that on my chest with Jesus in the room, would that be an advertisement for Jesus where he'd be like, really, why are you, why are you advertising that? It's, it's just a different perspective. And not that, you know, there's no condemnation. Jesus doesn't come to bring condemnation, but he does come to bring change that enables his life flow to flow through us. We can't walk in the fullness of the blessing of what Christ provided for us without that. We have to surrender completely and let those old things go and let the new things come for us to really walk the way Christ intended us to walk. And, and we're never done. I, I, don't, I don't think we're ever done here. We're always going to be striving towards another mark. So Romans 12, 1, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. This is a verse we hear all the time. And, and um, I think sometimes we say, oh, well, you know, I, I make a sacrifice. I, I don't watch football on Sundays and I go to church or, you know, whatever, whatever reasonings we feel like saying at that point. But, you know, a, a living sacrifice. Like if you take that to the context of the Old Testament, what those lambs and goats were raised for, the care that was put into them so that they could be a sacrifice in the future was immense. You guys know we raise goats. Let's just say perfect ones aren't born. There's always something that you would change, something you would tweak. And when the kids show in showmanship, the judge will say, all right, what don't you like about your goat? What would you change? What isn't quite to the mark of perfection that you would change for? And yet, for these lambs and goats to have been able to be a sacrifice before Jesus came, they had to be without spot, without spot or blemish, meaning they had to be perfect, which means they had to, to not just, it wasn't like they were born, oh, yay, a perfect lamb. Hey, let's kill it today before it messes itself up. We've had sheep. They mess themselves up really quick, like really quick. There's a process to that. So saying that you're a living sacrifice isn't just one time or one day a week or, or one episode. It's, it's an eternal moving of choices to get there. But if there's an acceptable way to live, there's also an ex unacceptable way to live. And that's kind of where we need to start looking at things differently. You know, I, I really felt like the way God showed it to me today is the world knows of Jesus, right? Okay, because the world is run by the devil and, and the spirits of the air and all those things. They know who Jesus is. They were in heaven with him, right? So they know who he is, but, and they can't create. The devil's not a creator, but he is an imitator. And so what he does is he twists things to look like that's what it is. So right now, the world is painting this watered-down Jesus. It's like Jesus light. Like, there's Jesus, and he loves you just the way you are. You never have to change. We accept you. We love you. That's, that's how you just don't have to do anything else ever. You're perfect. That's Jesus light. Jesus says, I love you the way you are, but I love you enough to say this is the way you should be living. And when you do live that way, my blessings and my plans can go through you and in you and through you to the world around you. So we need to be careful that the Jesus we're 
preaching, that Jesus were representing, that Jesus were billboarding as a representative is not Jesus' light, but the one true version of the king. So what they're presenting is a replica of the master, but never one who can replace the true master and his work. So David, or I don't know who's on the computer, but will you put up that picture for me? So we, Daniel's an art person. You probably don't, wouldn't think that, but Daniel really likes art. If he ever says, hey, we should go look at this um, jersey that's for sale at this art auction, don't do it. Because it would have cost us like $1,000 and we walked out with a $10,000 painting instead. So don't, it's bad, it's a bad trap. But there's a museum in um, Europe that decided they wanted to see if people could tell the difference between the original masterpiece and a replica. So they hung this painting and these two paintings. One of them is the original and the other is the replica. And so what they were wanting to do is they invited people to come. Come tell us. Get, we're, we're taking a survey. Which one's the real one? Which one's the fake one? And they said that through that, only 10% of people actually guessed correctly which was the replica and which was the original. And the orchestrator, this gentleman standing here, this is what he said. The way to distinguish the real from the fake was to look at the lack of warmth in the background of the imposter and the modern pigment, of course, of acrylic paints. But if you look closely, the brushwork on the fake is trying to be expressive, but it comes across as dead because it's an attempt to replicate something else. I just thought that was so great. It makes people look closely at a painting and discern what might be a replica and why. 10% got it wait, got it right, and of course he makes a joke, which means Britain as a nation is still a nation of connoisseurs. <laughs> so 10%. But I thought that was such a strong, a strong saying that he said, if you look closely, it's trying to be expressive, but it comes across as dead because it's trying to replicate something else. And right now, that's exactly what our world is doing. They're not saying marriage is dead. They're just saying marriage doesn't have to be originally what it was. Or they're not saying um, whatever it is they're saying. They're, they're not trying to abolish it completely. They're just trying to replicate it enough to where it could maybe be right, but maybe it's not too, and only 10% of people are figuring it out. But we're here for that reason. We're here to tell the truth of, of the kingdom of God. We're here to set the captives free. And these people that are being deceived, regardless of it, whatever it is, if it's marriage, if it's identity, whatever the deceiving is, the, the devil is known as the father of lies, which means he tries to deceive all of us. Let's be really honest. He's deceived me. He'll de I'll say it. He's deceived me. But there's an important part of that. Well, what this curator said is it made people look closely and discern. Well, guess what? The Bible tells us to discern. Isn't that interesting? It makes me kind of wonder if, if this, this curator has a little bit of Jesus in him because some of his sayings made me go, hmm, that sounds kind of familiar. But Romans 12, 2, this is in the Passion Stop, imitating the ideals and opin opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect 
in his eyes. So we have something to do. First of all, we can't imitate the world. We can't. We can't afford it. It's too high of a price. It's too high of a price for our children. It's too high of our price for our families and our friends. It's too high of a cost. Because if we are living and replicating in the world, everything the world replicates leads to death. There's only one way to heaven. The Bible says there's only one way to get there. It's a narrow road, and it's, and it's Jesus. So if we're not replicating Jesus, we're replicating death, which means we have such an important role to play in our families, first and foremost. My goodness, teach your kids what's right, what's wrong, what the Bible says, and leave it at that, not what the world says, not what the schools say, not whatever. We have a friend that was saying that they have to ask their daughter, because she goes to public school every week, if she has a boyfriend or if she has a girlfriend. And I'm like, why would you do that? And he said, well, because the schools can help them transition. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we're not telling them, you're a girl, which means you have boyfriends. I mean, you don't, because you know, you're only however old. But you know, you're, you're a girl, you're a woman. God made you to be a woman. That's where we need to take a stand and say, no, we're not just going to flow with the ideals and opinions of the culture around us because the culture around us is leading to death. It's leading to destruction. It's leading to brokenness. It's leading to suicide. It's leading to um, everything opposite of what Jesus wants for us, everything opposite. So we have to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, and that will empower us to discern God's will for us and it'll help us to discern what is a real and what is a fake. The Spirit will help us do that. You cannot be a watered-down Christian declaring a watered-down Jesus and win souls. You can't do it. That really hit me so hard today because if we think about it and if we really say, okay, Lord, Show me the areas that I need to change. Show me the areas that I need to, to prune off so that I can be a better representation of you. And it's not always comfortable. It's not. It's not fun to have a pruning process. There's, there's, some, there's some owies involved in it. I always tell Pastor Kim, well, that hurt. <laughs> and she always says, that wasn't for you. And I'm like, I know, but it hurt. And it's okay. It's good. We're, we're learning you know, um, but it's necessary because it's taking us to that next mark and that deeper level and that, that next place. And that's what it's going to take for this world. We can't keep going the way we're going and be expect change to come. We've got to take it to the next level. We've got to go deeper. We've got to make bigger changes. In other, Because that's what we're here for. That's what God told us to do. We're supposed to go. Go and make disciples, right? Well, if we're going to make disciples, but we look like the world, why would anybody follow us? We, we just can't do that. And one of my examples I thought about was, has anybody seen, I happen to have seen a shirt. I don't own the shirt, just so we all know, but it says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Why would you advertise that? I don't even understand. And people think it's funny and they buy it because they think it's a cute little cup or it's a cute little shirt. But what is the message behind that? The message is, I love Jesus, but I'm going to still be a terrible person. I'm so, well, not a terrible person, but I'm still going to say 
things that aren't fruitful, if I'm going to say things that aren't pleasing to him, I'm going to lead people away from what God tells us to do. But don't worry, I still love Jesus. He's still in my heart. You know, me and Jesus were like this, but I can, you know, talk however I want. But Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, or vulgar word ever come out of your mouth. And again, talking to myself. <laughs> talking to myself. But it's true. So if we're saying, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little, well, you're going extremely against Ephesians 4.29. So we're advertising that you can love Jesus and still do whatever you want to do because that's what the world wants us to do. It's just little things like that, like little tweaks to make us go, oh, maybe think about it just a little different. The advertising. If you were an advertising agent for Jesus, would people be seeing God or would they be seeing some other things? So to, to, declare, to declare so otherwise is to market a watered-down Bible with a watered-down Jesus that has been made politically correct so as not to hurt anyone's feelings or to cause them to have to strive for righteousness. Like, we've been made righteous in Christ, right? So it's not like this is something we have to do. We just have to be in Christ. And he helps us make those changes we're supposed to make. We don't have to, we don't have to fix ourselves and then we can come to Jesus and then we can start doing his plan and his purposes. No, we just have to get in the presence of our Father. And in that place, change comes because there's no darkness in him. He's only light, which means if all you're doing is spending time in the light, it's pretty hard to see any, you know, any the darkness because there isn't any. Jesus loves us enough to ask us to change so that we can really live and walk in his blessings. Everything else is a cheap imitation that looks good on the outside, but on the inside is worthless compared to the masterpiece. A watered-down Christian spouting this watered-down replica of Jesus is exactly what the devil wants. He wants a lukewarm church that doesn't complete the mission of God that has been placed on their body. You know, Pastor Steve has been exhorting us about, you know, abiding in our calling, what God has called us to do and, and how, how we do that. And you have a calling on your life, whether it's the kids at the sound booth or Pastor Steve up here on the front row. There's a calling on every single person in this room. Every single person God has a calling for. But do you know there's a calling that only this body can do? This body has a calling on this body to do. And we can't do it if we can't get ourselves in order enough to fulfill that calling, but it's something only we can do. He's put us in the place we're in, in Liberty Hill, for real. Like, could you get a more freeing the captive's name? <laughs> like, we're in Liberty Hill. He came to set the captives free, and he set us here. There's a mission and a purpose that we are supposed to do individually and as a body. And that means we need to go deeper. We need to go higher. We need to press harder. We need to, to raise the standard. You know, Daniel's sister Elizabeth is 31 this year. Maybe she's 31. 33. Okay, just kidding. She's 33. And she has not married yet because she has these standards that are so high. And I don't mean that as a derogatory thing. God has put some things in her heart that she has a standard for and nothing else is going to do. She'd rather remain unmarried than to settle 
for less than what God has put in our heart. And that's where I see we need to, we need to set a bar. We need to set a bar, not here because, you know, I can still maybe go out and drink with my friends and then, you know, I can still be at church on Sunday because I won't, you know, whatever. No, we need to stop that. Stop that. We need to raise that bar and say, no, I'm going to do the next thing. I'm going to go to the next level. What is it? God, you know, if you'll ask him, he'll tell you. I've asked him before, okay, God, what else can I do? Not that I've arrived, but show me an area that you want me to work on. Because if you just say, okay, God, what can I change? Is anyone else scared he's going to give you a list? (laughs) Just saying. Like, I've had these thoughts before when I'm like, okay, God, what can I change? Wait, wait, wait. No, no. One thing. Let's work on one thing I can change right now. I don't need, like, a whole list. But if we ask, he is so faithful to show us one little thing. And it's not something that he's like, good luck with that. No, he says, if I'm telling you to change that, I'm going to enable you to change it. If I'm requiring you to go deeper, I'm going to lead you through the depths to show you how to get there. He doesn't leave us to ourselves and be like, good luck. Come see me when you get it. No, he says, come to me, follow me. I will show you how to live. And that's what Pastor Kim has been teaching about is that intentional living in every area of our life. And when you start to look at our life as a bunch of intentional choices, how different you start to look at things. How different. And I'm going to be honest, I might have taken it kind of to the extreme a little bit because I'm like, I really don't want to work in a secular job. Like, how is that How is that working towards being intentionally towards my calling all the time? But we're placed where we're supposed to be. So I actually have interviewed for other jobs because that's kind of my mindset of where I had gotten myself. I wasn't really happy at work because there's some things that, um, there's just some things. There's things everywhere, right? And so uh, I had kind of gotten in a funk about some things at my job, even though I, I anyway. And I interviewed, and and before anything came back, I was like, I'm not supposed to take this job. I really and not, even though it would be this much more money, and they didn't offer me the job, so it was fine. But that's the first job I've ever not been offered, so I had to work through that. But um, <laughs> I felt God say, I have put you there for a reason. So stick it out. See why you're there. And I will be honest, I was not excited about that when he said that to me, because I wasn't. But I, the next day I said, you know what, okay, God, you put me here for a reason, Show me what to do. What's my next step? Show me what you want me to do in the place that I'm in. And one of the things he revealed, and it sounds really goofy, is I was whining about being bored at work. I like to be mentally stimulated. I like to be doing something. I like to be, I just like to be doing something. And I don't like to be bored. And so um, that was my complaint. And one of the things God showed me is, you have a lot of free time. And I'm like, I know, that's my problem. And he's like, no, Emma, you have a lot of free time. And I'm like, okay, I just, I said this was my problem. And he's like, no, you have a lot of free time. And then I realized I have a lot of free time that I can do projects that I want to do, or I can help Daniel's mother edit her book, or I can, you know, whatever, i we're making an intentional living planner, like a, a planner, like a calendar, because, you know, I like those, um, from Pastor Kim's teaching. I can do all those things because I've got all this extra time at work, but my perception wasn't right. 
I was looking at it like I'm so bored, I have all this extra time. And God is saying, I put you in a place where they pay you to have all this extra time. But my perception wasn't right. So just just saying. <laughs> it's the thing. If we ask God to show us, he'll show us. He'll show us what we can do right where we're at. He doesn't put stuff so far out of our reach. It's not like the kid in the cookie jar where you put it like all the way up on the shelf and you're like, I know the cookie's up there, but I have no way to get to it. That's, God doesn't do that. He gives us a goal and a mark that we can attain through him. He doesn't just say, there it is, good luck. You know, he, he, he helps us do it. We just have to abide in him, and that's exactly what Pastor Steve was talking about on Sunday, is just abiding, just being there, being with the Father enables us to do our calling. But we have to clothe ourselves into some things, and we have to take off some dirty clothes and burn them or do whatever you're going to do with them because we can't keep those worldly things. We can't keep the old things. We can't keep the perceptions that we have made in our minds and expect to have an attitude change. And that's where I was in my job. I had made this perception in my mind where it put me in a mental funk. I just had this mental funk of, I am so bored. I cannot sit here for, you know, eight hours. I just, it's making me crazy, which is a great confession. Don't say that. Because then Daniel might have said, you know, you're kind of being crazy. And I went, oh, okay, well, that was rude. <laughs> but on the flip side, to change your perception and to change your thinking also changed my mind and my attitude. Because I went from completely frustrated and just, mentally exhausted and would mentally exhausted from not even doing anything, which makes no sense, to I have all this extra time. What else can we do? What else can, what's the next thing I can do? What's, what's the next thing I can push towards? God, what is the next thing you have for me? But it just took a little bit of a change. And it, it wasn't a hard thing. It just was something that we had to say, okay, God, what's the next thing? Show me what it is. Okay. So... We have hope. We have hope. You know, John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome the world because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Or 1 John 4, 4, I mean. Um, we don't have to look around us and worry. Because first of all, we're not supposed to worry, right? So if we are worrying and the Bible says not to worry, that's actually, you know, like sinning and going against what God says to do. And it's easy to look at the world and be like, oh, dear Lord, I brought children into this place. What am I ever going to do? Please show me. But on the flip side to that is we're not supposed to worry about those things. We raise our kids up the way they're supposed to go. And then, unfortunately, we have recently learned they go out on their own. And then they have to stand on what we've taught them to do. And it's a hard thing, but it's a beautiful thing just saying because we've just walked through this but there is a hope we can do this we can get to this next place that we need to go so that we can do the calling that we're supposed to do on our lives but that we can do the calling that this church has to do years and years and years ago I don't even know how many years ago it was but it was we were still in the other building and um pastor kim I don't think Pastor Steve went, but we went down to, I think she ministered at a church down in like Bastrop years and years and years ago. And I went with her 
And, um, well, some of the other ladies did too, but I rode in her car with her. And um, we were praying about the church and, and about something. And we, I, God gave me this vision of a, a tree. And, you know, trees are only as stable as their root system, right? So if you have a tree that has roots that are shallow, it can still be moved and it can still be tossed to and fro and uprooted and all those things. But if you have a tree that has sunk its roots deep, they're immovable because their roots go so much further down. And the funny thing about the oak trees is they find each other and they interconnect. So you have these roots that go deep, deep, deep down, but then they look for the other oak tree roots and they kind of make this weird little networking system. If you don't believe me, ask Buddy, because that's what he had happen to his trees at his house. One of them got sick, and they all got sick, and he wasn't sure how, I think he wasn't sure how it happened, because they were kind of spaced far away, and the arborist said, it's because they sink their roots down so deep and look for each other and connect with each other, and that connection is what enables nutrients to spread, but it also enables disease to spread throughout the trees, because they're connected. So we have had all these years where we've been sinking our roots deep. We've had amazing teachings. We've had amazing, our pastors, you guys, I don't know if you've looked around at all ever, not that I want you to look around, but we have amazing pastors that are speaking amazing words of life and truth when the world is speaking everything but life and truth. But all those roots, they have gone down deep and they've made this foundation so strong that now I believe that we are coming into the part where our calling, we're there. Let's let's go. Let's do the next thing to do what God wants this church to do. Because that's what I want. I want this church to do whatever God has called it to do. I want to do whatever God's called me to do, of course. But I want to do what he's placed me here for. It's not all about me and what he wants me to do. It's about why am I here? There's obviously something we're supposed to do together. And as we continue to make these little changes and as we continue to clothe ourselves and start becoming a better billboard, a better advertisement, a better um, representative of the heart of God, how much more can we do? It'll just take the chains right off. We'll, just, there'll be nothing else hindering us. We'll just run with what we're supposed to do. So look at ourselves, ask the Holy Spirit to show us things that we need to shed off and the things that we need to clothe ourselves in to change this world, to win souls, and to complete our calling individually and as a church.